Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I am Eric Rowlandson from LightningInsider.com, your host, and we're going to recap Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars, and Tampa Bay wins the game by a score of 3-2. to two. They even up the series at one game apiece. Game 3 will be on a Wednesday at 8 p.m., and of course, what this win does tonight, other than tie up the series and make it now a best of five series since they're at a game apiece, they're, the back-to-backs will now take place. Since we are guaranteed now at least a game five, the Friday-Saturday back-to-backs are now in place. So keep that in mind as we get closer to the weekend that Friday and Saturday back-to-back nights um, going to be difficult for a lot of people, I think, to um, watch the game, stay up late for the games back-to-back. But in particular... Yours truly, who stays up, of course, late after games to get all the podcasts and the writing and everything else done. So uh, it'll be a be a deep, 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 deep into the night weekend here for the old Lightning Insider. Uh, all right, some of the things we're going to get to, of course, first and foremost, is the uh, result of the game and how it got to the results. We like to do that here. We like to kind of break things down a little bit so it's not Results matter, and of course, they matter. They're paramount. Uh, but how did you get to the results? So we're going to talk about that. Uh, i got a little trivia question for you a little bit later in the show as well. Again, another T-shirt we're going to give away, courtesy of Smack Apparel. Those are those blue party like it's 2004 shirts. Uh, got a couple more that we can give away, courtesy of Smack Apparel. So uh, check, check out the uh, trivia question, and I'll tell you how to answer it and how to get me the answer uh, and get into the giveaway a little bit later in the show. Of course, we take your questions as well. But let's start with, well, the start. As we know, the start in Game 1 was not very good for Tampa Bay. The legs were not there. The mind was not there. And when you don't have the mind, your legs can't go. If you don't have your legs, your mind can get them going. But if you're going to be slow to react um, with, with your head, then you're going to have a very difficult time when it comes to getting your game going. And I think that was exactly a result from the first game, and that's how you got to that result. So you knew Tampa Bay was going to be much better prepared to come out and start this game uh, on time, so to speak, as opposed to game one. And that's exactly what we got. They came out aggressive. They came out strong. They came out putting pucks in deep. They got the cycle game going. They put Tampa, uh, Dallas back on their heels and that really, really created a lot of momentum. The power plays that they draw, that they that they did draw in that period, they earned them. They earned them because they had Dallas under pressure. Now, Dallas put themselves in a couple of silly situations to take those penalties. And we'll get into some of that a little bit uh, as well. But, you know, you, you, you draw a penalty 320 into the game on a high sticking call. You draw a penalty at 1058 from Joe Pavelski, a tripping call. And then Jamie Oleksiak, for whatever reason, grab Tyler Johnson by the shoulder uh, in the neutral zone, pulls him down, ends up being a holding call. And for all the talk about the power play and the struggles that it had, because it was 0 for 14 coming in, it's really struggled throughout most of this postseason, to be honest with you. And the numbers are going to be skewed because they had eight power play goals, not counting the round robin, so just playoff games. They had eight power play goals in the playoffs. Six of those came in two games. They came in the 7-1 victory against the Bruins in game 
two of that or game three of that series. And then they had three in game one against the Islanders in the Eastern Conference Finals. So beyond that, they only had two power play goals uh, in the other 15 games. So you have to take advantage of these opportunities. They didn't do it in game one. It almost cost them in some aspects in the series against the Islanders because you know, they had those two four-minute power plays at the end of regulation that carried themselves over into the overtime period and uh, didn't capitalize on it, uh, ended up losing the double overtime game in game five, uh, and then actually did win it in game six. So uh, they did kind of uh, survive that, but you can't necessarily survive that for too long. Certainly it's not the end-all, be-all, and we've seen teams with power plays that were less than ideal actually go on to win the cup. Uh, But you have to be a threat. You have to be able to score uh, or else teams are going to take liberties against you because they don't respect or fear your power play. And in some ways, maybe that's a little bit of what Dallas was trying to do because they knew that they were in a rut. So they came out with a physical tone. You know, they tried to run Tampa Bay out. You know, we saw certainly that in the first period or the first game um, with that. And I think Dallas tried to do it again today, but uh, you know, the lighting made them pay, and I think that was huge for obvious reasons, you know, to to make them pay for it. And th- this is what I liked about the power play tonight. They gave different looks. It's the same. It's a, a lot of the same personnel, right? Like you had the first power play unit for Tampa Bay. Alex Cologne was back on it. That's one of the different looks they gave to it. Um, so Cologne's back on it, but you still have Palat and Point and Kucherov. But here's the key. Victor Hedman was the only guy on defense running the point. So we have seen, of course, Mikhail Sergachev out there with uh, Hedman running the point on the top power play unit. We've seen it moved around on more than a few occasions during this postseason. But tonight it was just Victor Hedman. Uh, Took a little bit longer than I thought it should have to get back to this situation. But it was, and it paid off. Now, it necessarily wasn't because Hedman was out there, but this is this is what they did. We've seen Andre Pilat move around a little bit throughout the, the power plays here, and he spent some time on the right circle. He spent some time in the left circle. He spent some time, you know, as a net fronts down, down low. Uh, they tried to run the Brad Marchand play a couple of times with him at the low post uh, against the Islanders. So he sets up in the Stamco circle, if you will, you know, the left circle over there. And because of the brilliance of Nikita Kucherov makes this all work, right? It, first of all, they were moving the puck well. Uh, they were able to get in somewhat consistently. Uh, they were able to set up, and that's the key. It's a key for any power play. If you can set up, you're going to have opportunities. And But they the, the, the passing was just so much crisper with the, this setup. And I think a lot of that is because, you know, Victor Hedman ran this power play for a good portion of a year as the guy. So there's a comfort level with him as the only trigger man, if you will, at the center uh, center point there. Um, so he, he understands where Nikita Kucherov is going to be uh, a little different, obviously with a left-handed shot over in that circle, as opposed to a right-handed shot. It's a different feel for how Victor would get a pass over in that situation. You know, he's not setting up a righty shot for a one-timer. Um, but this is this is what they did. So we haven't seen them a lot Let's try and put work these down low plays on the power play. We've seen a lot of passing around the perimeter from Kucherov, Hedman, or Sergachev, who happened to be there, sort of in that umbrella area, if you will, and try and make things work there. Settled for a lot of shots on the outside. Well, you saw Alex Kalorn down low try and make a power move early on in this power play. Uh, didn't result in a goal, but again, gives the opposition at least something to think about. Uh, and then that bumper play. Like this bumper play was a huge part of who they were last year in particular. Braden Point led the league with 20 power play goals, and he got so many of them from that bumper spot. Well, they've kind of taken that away a little bit because there's so much focus on Kucherov. And everybody knows that the puck is going to try and be funneled through him, make things work through him. But to open up some of the seams and some of the passing lanes for him, you you got to get the penalty killers moving, but you also got to get them thinking about the other options that are out there. So you get a quick pass over to Kucherov, who's able to quickly feed Braden Point in the bumper spot, 
and he doesn't quite get all of the shot, but he, he gets enough of it, and he puts it in a good area to score the opening goal that came at 11.23. You know, that came off of the Pavelski tripping call. Um, you know, so now, now all of a sudden, Dallas has to understand that that play is there. Not that they're not aware of it, but Tampa Bay hasn't gone to it much here in the playoffs. Um, and then on the second power play goal, again, good puck movement, good moving stuff around. And when you do that, you know, when, when there's a respect factor, because if you look at the way Dallas killed that penalty, Braden points in the same spot. Because he's already scored earlier in the game from that area, guess what happens? Dallas now has to respect it. So when Kucherov gets the puck, they go to point. And when that happens, it opened up a seam for Kucherov to get the puck across the ice, get it to Palat. It's not a one-timer because he has a left-handed shot, but he has more than enough time to be able to corral the puck and get a good hard slapper, a short slap shot uh, into the open side of the net, and Anton Hudobin is not able to get over there. So now all of a sudden you have a 2 nothing lead. So... Uh, th- this is what makes the Lightning power play dangerous when it's all healthy, when it's Steven Stamkos over there at the left circle, because you have to respect both sides of the ice. You can't say that teams throughout this playoffs have respected both sides of the ice. They've keyed so much on Kucherov, and he's still come through. He is still delivered for the most part. But when when he's able to find some open space. He can make plays like he did tonight. And look, it was a rough first period for him. You know, he took the high sticking call um, from Jan Mark three minutes into the game. Uh, This was just after he was leveled by Jamie Ben. I'll get into that in a minute because there's more than a couple of questions regarding that. Uh, But he's leveled by Jamie Ben. He's in on a back check. He kind of stumbles and goes hard into the wall and he left the ice for a little bit, and everybody was like, oh, no, there's too many injuries on this team already. Well, he he admitted after the game that he left because his visor had come loose, so he didn't leave for an injury situation. He left for an equipment issue uh, and, and came back pretty quickly, so uh, no concern on the injury front with him, but, you know, this is this is what he did. You know, so he takes those hits, and he comes back, and he makes a couple of brilliant plays on the power play, and he puts Tampa Bay up Two to nothing. He's a big part of the reason they're up two nothing with two primary assists. Uh, and with those assists tonight, he does become the Lightning's all-time uh, single-season point producer with uh, a franchise record. It breaks the record held by um, Brad Richards, and he is also, if you zero in on uh, what he's done. Uh, you know, he's got 27 points now. Uh, the record was 26. That was set by Brad Richards, of course, in the run to 2004 when he picked up the Con Smythe trophy. Uh, so he's now the all-time single-season point leader. So, again, all kinds of franchise records, playoff records that Kucherov now holds. Uh, another big, big part of it tonight. Uh, Braden Point's goal, by the way, was his 10th of the playoffs. Uh, the record, by the way, is 13. Uh, in a playoff season, that's held by Tyler Johnson in 2015. Um, and uh, uh, so again, just a big, big night from Nikita Kucherov. And the first period, and then Kevin Shattenkirk makes it three nothing uh, a little bit later on uh, to give Tampa Bay a pretty good cushion uh, after the first period. That goal comes. At uh, the 15-16 mark, so a little over a minute after Palat's goal, Shattenkirk makes it three nothing with a shot from the right point that found its way through some traffic. And you know, it's it's exactly if you're the Lightning, you could not have uh, scripted the start any better. Uh, you end up shooting Dallas in the first period, 14 to six. As you know, we like to look at shot attempts uh, as well. So the shot attempts were 20 to 15 in favor of Tampa Bay. So. Um, Dallas was able to block a number of shots. Uh, but again, that's it's what you want the Lightning to be. You want them to be a possession team. You know, the high danger chances, they were 8-4. to four. Don't like giving up the 4, but you had more than double the amount of, of high danger chances and scoring chances were 11-5. to five. So again, pretty good scripted first period. Not so much in the second, and a little bit of undisciplined play. Look, you know Dallas is going to push. They're down 3 nothing. They've erased multi-goal. Uh, deficits before here in these playoffs. 
you know, they were down, what were they, down 3 nothing to Calgary uh, early on in the, in the opening round and came back to win that game. I think they scored six straight goals uh, to win that game against Calgary. So they have it in them. And we've seen in today's NHL that no lead is necessarily safe. So you have to respect that and understand that Dallas is going to come out. And you also have to understand, and I hate this, I hate this, but the power plays were somewhat lopsided in the first period, right? You had three straight power play opportunities for Tampa Bay. So you know what's going to happen. It's, it's a no-brainer. You know what's going to happen. Dallas is going to get some in the second period. And that's what they did. It actually started at the end of the first uh, as Andre Pilat was called for interference. Uh, that carried over into the second period. Uh, Lightning actually got a fourth power play opportunity early in the second with the interference call on Blake Como for a, a pretty bad hit on Alex Kalorn, a late hit, which is why it was interference uh, on Kalorn. Uh, so that was wiped out, though, as Nikita Kucherov took a tripping penalty, and then here came the parade of the box because starting with that carryover uh, with about 15 seconds to go, Dallas had the next four power play opportunities. Yanni Gord was called for cross-checking because he went after Jamie Alexiak for a hit on Blake Coleman. Here's five foot seven, five foot eight Yanni Gord going after six foot five, six foot six Jamie Alexiak, and he gets called for cross-checking. Then you have Yanni or uh, Andre Palat called for a slash, where again, <laughs> you know, guys have to be a little bit harder on their stick sometimes. Uh, it's, it's, you know, the slashing call is only supposed to be automatic if you break the stick, right? You know, and he, he, look, the, Palat got the stick around the hands, but Pavelski dropped his stick. I mean, Pavelski's a better player than that. He's a strong player. The referee should understand that and know that, right? But it was called, uh, gave, um, Dallas another power play. And then you have the situation where Pat Maroon was called for goalie interference. Uh, and then there was matching roughing calls. So Dallas got the next four power play opportunities. You knew it was coming. And they took advantage of it. They get the Joel Pavelski goal on the last one, the, the Maroon interference call. Uh, but they built momentum off of it, right? They ended up with 18 shots in that second period. And 10 of them, 10 of those came on the power play. You know, the even strength shots during the second were eight to four for Dallas. So not it's double the amount, but it's not a crazy margin, but that's because there was only 11 minutes and 29 seconds of even strength play. The rest of it was on the power play. Dallas had six over six and a half minutes of power play time end up with 11 shot attempts and 10 shots on goal. So there's a disparity. That's why there was such a huge gap because Dallas had the four power play minutes or the four power play opportunities and, you know, over six minutes of power play time. And that's also because the fourth power play was so short because they, they scored right off the draw. So second period wasn't dominated necessarily by Dallas, but they had the power play opportunities and that made it look a little, um, you know, worse than it was because even, you know, on all situations, it was 23-17 in favor of Dallas, but 13-12 to in favor of Tampa at five-on-five play. So again, I said it in the series against Boston in particular, and in a lot of ways, a series against the Islanders too, keep it five-on-five, Tampa Bay has a better chance to win the game. Yeah, you'd like to finish scoring their power play goal, and they did tonight, but you keep it five-on-five, you like Tampa Bay's chances because this is what happened in the third. Yes, Dallas cut the lead to 3-2. So it it, kind of gives this illusion that Dallas was pushing hard. Dallas was not pushing hard. And in fact, Tampa Bay did so many good things in this period. You know, getting pucks out of the zone for the most part. A couple of scrambling moments that you're going to have because, you know, that's another another good team out there. Um, You know, so Dallas is going to have their push. And they had some of them, but for the most part, the lighting control this period. Like the stats are going to bear this out because the five on five shot attempts were 22 to 11 in favor of Tampa Bay. So double the amount. The shots on goal were 12 to four in favor of Tampa Bay. That's 75% of the shots 
uh, and the scoring chances were eight to five, and they limited Dallas to one high danger chance after they had seven in the first two periods. You know, and this is all five on five. So five on five play after giving up seven high danger chances in the first two period, they only had uh, Dallas only had one. I think that Tampa Bay defended this period really, really well. Got a little hairy a couple of times because Dallas did catch Tampa Bay in a line change to score their second goal. And it's, it's a three-on-two rush uh, that was actually caught up to. The Lightning actually recovered okay on this. The problem was is that you had John Klingberg, uh, a right-handed shot on the right-handed side of the ice, is able to find Matthias Janmark because Kevin Shattenkirk did not play it very well, and he owned up to it in the postgame. He says he has to be better there. He knows that. And what happened there is he caught caught hesitating. You don't want to hesitate. You don't want to get caught in between, and that's what happened. Either you take the puck, take away the passing lane, or tie the man up. And Shattenkirk, as soon as Shattenkirk turned to try and find Janmark behind him, he's dead to rights because Klingberg sees that. And Yamark already has a stick down on the ice. All Klimberg has to do is find the stick, and he did. It's an easy backdoor tap-in. So Shattenkirk has to be, you know, what's the old saying? You take the body or you take the man. You can't take both sometimes. And, well, Yamark didn't have the puck, so you can't take it there. But in that situation, to help out your goaltender, you you got to either tie the man up, so completely just turn yourself around and make sure you know where the man is, or put yourself into a position where you can block the shot attempt. And he, he did neither. So the third period is going to look a little bit more hairy than it did. And look, Dallas almost tied it because Jamie Benn had an open look from the top of the left circle. Uh, and I think Andre Vasilevsky got just enough of a piece of it, maybe with a shaft of a stick and the puck sailed high. That was Dallas's best chance to tie the game. But otherwise, puck was down in the Dallas end quite a bit. Tampa Bay was doing a good job of understanding when to get the puck in deep, when to forecheck when you got the puck in deep, and how to keep it in there. They cycled it rather well uh, down low. They cycled it pretty well up high. They actually scored a fourth goal in this game because of a high cycle. Now it was called back on an offside call, which was the right call. Blake Coleman wasn't quite um, behind the line. He was ahead just ahead on the entry. Um, you know That was a pretty clear one, not as clear as the Cedric Paquette offside goal uh, against the Islanders in the Eastern Conference Final, but it was certainly offside, and that's now the third goal in these playoffs that Tampa Bay has had taken off the board because of an offside call. Remember, you had the one in Game 2 against the Bruins where Braden Point wasn't quite out of the zone before Barclay Goodrow entered and wiped off a Goodrow goal off the board in that game, and then the pretty egregious one that Carter Verhage scored a goal on uh, when Cedric Paquette was a good five feet inside the zone. So uh, so other than that, again, just controlled play in this period, and you have to be very impressed. You know, this is a team that we questioned in the past about how could they close out games, how would they defend, can they defend. You know, we know how much they are an offensive juggernaut, but can you defend? And that's the question, and that's what the players have been challenged to do by the coaching staff. And tonight is another example to show you how far they have gone, how far they've come, because here you have it. They closed out a Stanley Cup final game, and it was huge. It was huge. They needed to even the series. You have it now as a best of five, um, and you like the chances. Again, I think Tampa Bay is the better team in this series as a whole. Uh, Keep it five on five. I like it even better. Uh, And now here we are, 1-1. Series tied, heading to Game 3. Pivotal Game 3, you're going to hear that quite a bit, but you have Game 3 now coming up on Wednesday. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. A couple of other notes from today. The lineup changes, Uh, we'll get into those a little bit, but obviously Jan Ruda, Entered in, uh, Tampa Bay went back to a 12 and six, uh, dressed 12 and six as opposed to 11 and seven. So 12 forwards and six uh, defensemen. Uh, Luke Shen was out of the lineup. Zach Bogosian was out of the lineup. Jan Ruda were in, and so was Carter Verhage. It's the first time they've gone 12 and six since the first game against Boston back in round two. 
Um, John Cooper, by the way, just to clear this up, was asked after the game, you know, was was were they unfit to play or were they coach's decision? And he kind of dodged it a little bit because it was you were asking questions about two players, and he did say that's hard for me to answer that. Uh, but he he was pressed on it again uh, at the end, and he said that one was a coach's decision and one was unfit to play. It's not too hard to figure out which was which here because Luke Shen, remember, left game one for a period of time after taking a hit. So he is obviously the unfit to play because Zach Bogosian was on the ice for the morning skate I was out there late with the scratches, so it's pretty obvious that he is the healthy player, um, and that one was for sure the coach's decision. Um, so that's why they went to twelve and six. And you know, Jan Ruda I thought was okay. Um, he didn't really hurt them. Uh, he had some scrambly minutes uh, early on in the game, which is to be expected. He hasn't played a game. Remember, he played game two of the round robin uh, and was injured in that game. Um, was not able to come back until tonight, even though John Cooper had said, interestingly enough, that he's been healthy for a couple of weeks now. Uh, but they'd been playing so well with Shen as a seventh defenseman that they didn't want to change things up. And now you go back to a six, and this puts Ruda, who played most of the season with uh, Victor Hedman, uh, back in that situation. And we saw some moving around of the pairs, right? Like we did see it because they started a game with Mikhail Sergachev and Eric Chernak as the opening pair of uh, of defensemen. So they definitely changed things around a little bit. Uh, Jan Ruda actually ended up playing most of his minutes tonight with Victor Hedman. He played eight and a half minutes paired with Victor Hedman uh, at five on five. So that's not to be unexpected. Uh, again, played okay. Uh, didn't play lights out, which... You know, he's not asked to play lights out. He's asked to play steady. I think he has a better first pass than Bogosian. I think he's a little bit of a better skater than Zach Bogosian. So if you feel that Bogosian struggled with the pace of the game in game one, of course, he, he was the one that went into the corner to stand up for Braden Point that left the middle of the ice open that led to the first goal for Dallas. So I don't know if that factored into the decision or not. Uh, I know John Cooper has mentioned it, I think, once or twice about how that was a a mistake done for the right reasons, but it was still a mistake. Um, you know, and look, when you lose a game, uh, sometimes you need to shake things up a little bit. Didn't shake up, shake up the lines. Uh, Carter Hagee came in uh, and just slotted back in on the fourth line with uh, Pat Maroon and Cedric Paquette. Uh, so nothing really was, was shaken up, uh, you know, but we did see the uh, line combinations moved around. Uh, not the, the defensive pairings uh, were certainly moved around a little bit here as uh, Eric Chernak actually played 12 minutes with Mikhail Sergachev and that left Ryan McDonough and Kevin Shattenkirk to play together. And they actually played almost 10 minutes together. Um, so it, it, it changed the pairings around a little bit and changed the, the complexion, but I think the forwards needed it. I think the forwards have played a lot of taxing minutes throughout uh, a good portion of this playoffs, especially in the latter stages. You think they played, you know, three multiple overtime games. They played two overtime games last week against the Islanders, and then you had the one game where they finished with nine. Uh, you know, it just kind of gave an opportunity to keep things maybe a little bit fresher for the Lightning forwards. Uh, and one other note to pass along, the NHL did make their awards announcements today. Uh, Victor Hedman and Andre Vasilevsky were up for awards. Uh, Hedman was up for the Norris. He actually finished third in the voting. Uh, Roman Yossi won it. John Carlson finished second. Victor Hedman finished third. And then Andre Vasilevsky was up for the Vezina Trophy. That was won by Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, uh, Tuka Rask finished second. And, of course, Vasilevsky finished third. The Norris is voted on by the Professional Hockey Writers Association, the PHWA. The Vezina is voted on by the general managers. So it's a smaller voting pool for the Vezina as compared to some of the other awards. Um, but those were the award winners. Now, both Victor Hedman and Nikita Kucherov were voted second-team All-Star uh, for their respective positions. So Hedman at defense and, of course, Kucherov at right wing. Uh, so that was uh, the NHL awards were handed out tonight, and, and those were the players that were up for awards. All right, let's get to the questions. Uh, gone on here long enough. 
uh, rambled on. Certainly plenty uh, about what we saw here in Game 2. Uh, but before we get to that, here's the trivia question. Uh, don't forget this is for a T-shirt courtesy of Smack Apparel. Uh, it's a free party like it's 2004 blue shirt. If you've seen the pictures uh, of Joyce uh, who sent it out and then Matthew, Matthew, yours is on the way. Uh, I have supplied them your uh, address, so you should be getting it hopefully by the end of the week. So Matthew was our last winner. Sorry, Joyce and Matthew, you're not eligible for this one around. We want to give somebody else an opportunity to do it. So here is your trivia question. I want to know. Uh, it's a two-part question, and it involves Ruslan Fedotenko. Ruslan Fedotenko, of course, we all remember the two goals in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final against the Calgary Flames and what that meant to give them the Cup uh, that year. Uh, that's not the question, but it does involve Ruslan Fedotenko. Two things I want to know about Ruslan Fedotenko. Number one, what team did Tampa Bay acquire Fedotenko from? And the second part of that question is, how many goals did he finish with in that playoff year in 2004? So again, your question is, how many or what team did Tampa Bay acquire Ruslan Fedotenko from? And then how many goals did he finish with in the 2004 playoff year? So that's your two-part question. This is how you can get your questions to me. Easiest way is to send me a direct message via Twitter. My handle is Eric underscore Erlinson, E-R-I-K, underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. That's the easiest way for me to get them. And then you can also email me. It's eric at lightninginsider.com. That's E-R-I-K at lightninginsider.com. Uh, but, of course, the easiest way is to find me on Twitter with a direct message. And, again, the question for the last time is, what team was Ruslan Fedotenko acquired from, and how many goals did he finish the 2004 playoff season with so two-part question uh, also if you're not a subscriber to my website uh, if you go to lightninginsider.com and you use the coupon code podcast when you sign up for a yearly subscription i'll give you ten dollars off your first year so that's podcast in the coupon code if you are not yet a subscriber to my site all right to the questions because uh, as usual you guys have some really good ones um, and i want to get to all of them as I can, and I'm scrolling further and further and further back because this is great. This is great. Some of these are actually uh, from before I even started asking for them. So uh, this is great, guys. I really appreciate this. Uh, hopefully I won't go too long from it. Um, this is from uh, Pat, who actually sent this in after listening to the uh, most recent podcast. Why is Mikhail Sergachev getting so many first power play minutes? Lightning are showcasing him for an offseason trade. No one wants Johnson or Kalorn at their money, and they can't pay them all. Also recoups a number one pick, and Foot comes in next year. What say you, Eric? And he says, by the way, I'm not saying I like this potential move, but it seems more realistic than being able to trade one of the five million no-trade clause gang. Uh, well, first of all, you don't showcase a player in the playoffs. You are trying to win, especially in the Stanley Cup final. You're not showcasing players. Sergachev is a prime candidate for a offer sheet as a restricted free agent because of the cap issues that Tampa Bay does have. Um, you know, it'd be easy to kind of pluck him out. Uh, and, you know, and, and the offer sheet thing is, too, I, 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 they're more myths. I know they happen. We saw one last year with Sebastian Ajo. Montreal tried to sign him, but especially in this climate, in this financial climate, the amount of money it would take for a team to sign a player to an offer sheet, not just the money commitment, but you have to have the draft picks too, because you're going to sign to, in order to be able to acquire a player via this method, you're going to have to send, sign them to a lot of money, which is going to cost you uh, as many as five first round draft picks. So I know the offer sheet situation is out there, uh, but it's a very unknown financial climate right now because of COVID, and we don't even know when the season's going to start. We don't know when or if fans are going to be allowed into the stand, so there's a lot of question marks. But at the end of the day, 
I don't, you're not showcasing a player in the playoffs. I, I get, I get the thought process, Pat. Uh, but I, I, it's, it's not something that I can think of, um, you know, would, would be the case here. He's getting first power play minutes because he's eventually going to be a number one quarterback. Uh, I don't know why they kept forcing it here in this situation. I certainly like the idea of Victor Hedman, especially with the way he's played in this postseason to uh, run the power play. But uh, here we are. Uh, from Mike, part of the Stars' game plan is to wear out their opponents. It's it's a game. Look, Calgary tried to do it to Tampa Bay in 2004. They tried to out-hit them, and you know, after every game that Calgary lost, they would try and take a physical toll out of you at the end of the game as well. So it's not necessarily a bad um, philosophy or a bad approach. You just have to be disciplined about it, and the referees have to call it if you're crossing that line. Uh, from Jay. Uh, when three guys go to the penalty box at the same time, who gets released at the end of the power play? Um, I was surprised by this one because it was actually Hedman that was the guy out of the box when the penalties ended because usually the guys with the matching minors are the guys that stay in the box, and he did have the matching minors. Uh, it was uh, what Paquette and Hedman got the matching roughing calls uh, during that little flare-up. And then Corey Perry and John Klingberg were the two Dallas guys. And Maroon was getting the initial call. So I don't know if the team can designate who comes out of the box. It has to be what the case is. They probably have to say, okay, who's the designated player that can come out of the box uh, in that situation? Um, because it was it was Hedman that came out. Uh, this is a good one from Robert. And I told him to tag it. Uh, and I would answer it here on the podcast. So, um, why does it seem to be the Lightning's play defaults to passive chip-ins once they have the lead? It's infuriating and confusing. Uh, it, it's 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 a smart play um, because what you don't want to do is put yourself into a position where you're turning too many pucks over at the blue line. When you're protecting the lead, you don't want to feed the other team and cut the ice in half for them. If you continue to try and rush the puck in too often, and try and make plays as you cross the blue line, you're you're setting yourself up for possible turnovers. And then you're caught and you go the other way. That's when you give up odd band rushes. That's something that Tampa Bay has been guilty of throughout the past number of years, right? So when you are chipping it in, look, if the play is there, and we saw it in the third period tonight, if the play is there, they're going to take it. We saw them create a couple of times off the rush, even in the third period tonight. But, if it's not there, chipping it in is the absolute best play because then you can get in a forecheck. And then even if you can't recover the forecheck, you're forcing Dallas to come 200 feet as opposed to 150 or 125, right? So that's why it's a strategy that a lot of teams do. That's why you see them a lot of times with the puck in their own zone. They'll flip it out, right? They'll just sky it so it can't be gloved down. Or anything else, you know, so it gets out of the zone and you can reset. And that's what it's all about. You don't want to let teams have sustained pressure when you're trying to protect the lead. So sometimes a smart play, it's it's the equivalent of trying to bank the puck high off the glass and get it out of the zone. So those are just smart defensive plays that a lot of teams do when they're protecting the lead. And that's why they do it. Um, Chip-ins are never a bad play when you're protecting the lead. Uh, from Paul, this isn't so much a question, but I just wanted to get your opinion on the second period game management. They, it's penalty problems. That's that's what it was all about. It was penalty problems. That's what cost them. That's what put them in that position, uh, feeding into Dallas and giving them life by giving them power play opportunities. Uh, so you, you saw what happened when they come back in the third. Uh, from Michael, uh, Shattenkirk did not have a very good game. Well, he, he ended up with a game-winning goal. Uh, I know he had a rough game. Um, you know, he, he didn't do a very good job on the goal, didn't tie up Yamark and didn't take away the passing lane. He had a clear attempt that was disrupted uh, that might have actually led to that Jamie Benn opportunity. You know, but besides that, I, I wouldn't say he had a rough game. You know, there are certain things that stand out, you know, uh, when, when you're evaluating uh, because of what they led to. Um, you know, but look, I mean, his, play, his, his defensive play has never been his strength. Uh, it's just, it's, he's not that kind of a defenseman. He can play some of those minutes, but you're not asking Kevin Shattenkirk to be a defensive defenseman, right? He's his, his game is uh, getting up the ice, moving the puck, 
uh, and being that type of a defenseman. But, you know, he did end up having the game-winning goal uh, in the third period. Uh, the other part of uh, the comment here from Michael, when are the Lightning going to be conscious of being inside? It may eventually cost them, and I can save on my blood pressure medication. Look, sometimes guys just make bad plays, and sometimes guys make good plays. There's no such thing as a perfect game from a perfect player, right? It's just It just doesn't happen. Um, from, uh, this is Lightning FCB. Do you think they've been focusing on the power play more during practice? Uh, he's got two screenshots here from the first and the second goal. Look almost the same, but in the second one, point, let the puck go through to Palat. Looks like, yeah, look, they work on these plays. There's no doubt they work on these plays. Uh, and, and again, if you look at the first goal, like you, you, you have the screenshots up and you can find it in my mentions or use the, you know, find it during, on the ask EE hashtag. Um, you can see clearly on the first one, Braden Point is in that soft spot. Right, you look at him, he's right in the middle of the box, and he's got time and space for Kucherov to get in the puck, and he's able to get the bumper playoff. On the second one, points a little bit more covered. You see the you know, the the guy in the, the high left side of the box, if you're facing the goal, is drawn to point. So he's trying to take away that pass. That's what opened up the seam. You know, that's what uh, point point knows he's got the pressure behind him. And he can also he also knows he's got plot behind, behind him. I don't know if that was called out. I don't know if there's communication on the ice, but there's no doubt they work on these plays in practice all the time. Uh, from Prezemic, uh my hot take, we play 12 and six tonight because Stamkos is coming back. I think Kucherov will be top five, at least top 10 best passer in NHL history when he tires. He is a magician. He is he is a wizard. Let's go one higher step up from a magician. He is a wizard with the puck. I just, the, the assist he had actually wasn't even an assist. It was his own goal, but the play he made uh, against the Islanders in game one was just ridiculous. Uh, he is absolutely the two passes he made tonight. The ones we just talked about. Uh, he is fantastic. Uh, as far as a Stamkos situation, uh, we'll see. I think Steven Stamkos is going to play in the series uh, at some point. Uh, I don't know if it'll be Wednesday. I don't know if it'll be Friday or Saturday. He's going to play at this point. I know a lot of people have, have mentioned that ah, it's got to be game five because it'll be the second half of back-to-back. Well, now we know we have a game five, um, but it, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I, I do get the feeling and the sense and um, call it instinct. I think he's playing in this series uh, from Brown Crow. You think Cooper goes 12 and 6 again, or was this due to Bogosian and or Shen being banged up? Uh, we answered that one. Uh, didn't think Carter did anything tonight. Was this just Cooper preparing for the return of the Jedi? Parentheses, stammer. Well, Carter Verhage would have had an assist. <laughs> he, would have had an, he would have had an assist on the Sergachev goal that was called off uh, for the offside. Um, but, you know, he didn't hurt them. You know, he didn't play a ton of minutes. Tonight, he, like, he doesn't kill penalties, so he, he kind of sat on the bench for a good portion of the second period. Only ended up with seven minutes of ice time. Only had the one shot attempt. But he had two blocked shots. Um, you know, did he have an impact on the game? Not a huge impact uh, at all. <clears throat> but, um, you know, he uh, he's a guy who can bring speed. He can generate speed. Uh, we saw that, I think, in the series against the Islanders. Um, and look, this is great experience no matter what for Carter Verhage because of the cap situation that this team is uh, going to find themselves in next season. You can count on Carter Verhage being a, a top nine, I think, on this team moving forward. <clears throat> and to, uh, you know, to, I mentioned he, he sat a lot in the second period. He only played a minute 24 in the second. You know, sometimes when that happens, you kind of lose your legs uh, a little bit. Um, and uh, he was actually on the ice for... They haven't, they haven't listed on the ice for the goal, but of course it was pulled back. Um, so uh, it didn't hurt them, uh, didn't stand out, but that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Uh, from Lee, and I'll toss in JT on this question too, because uh, it's in regards to the Ben hit on Kucherov. Uh, looked to me like he was targeting the head. Uh, it looked to the head, it looked blindside to me. I uh, haven't received any word. Uh, tonight, my guess is because this is the Stanley Cup final, nothing's going to happen. Uh, I think it should. Uh, I think it's definitely something to be flagged at. I was trying to find a video of it. I have not seen a good look 
uh, of it other than the uh, the still shot that JT sent me. Um, so I, I would say under normal circumstances, yes. I don't know if the league has the guts, for lack of a better phrase, to suspend Jamie Benn, the captain of the Dallas Stars, for a Stanley Cup final game for a hit. I, I just, I hate to say that, but I know how this league operates. Uh, from Bob, were you concerned that the Bolts got into the penalty problems of the second period, kind of open up the door for the Stars, who have a decent power play? Uh, Vasilevsky looked strong and thought the defense also stepped up, just watch for penalties. Yeah. It fueled Dallas's comeback attempt, right? It got them back in the game. Some of that, though, to me, too, is officiating to the score. You've heard me talk about that before. It's it's officiating to the score. And, I again, I hate that tactic that, um, you know, a, a good number of um, referees do. I hate it. Uh, you know, look, but I told you, the Lightning got the first three power plays. So what happened? Dallas got five of the next six. It's, just, it's so predictable in the NHL. It really is. Um from Mark, uh, hi from Barcelona. Uh, did the game plan change at all with the 12 and 6? Do you think the Lightning played better, same, or worse with this rotation? Uh, also, was Ruta a coach decision or Bogo and Shen hurt again? Shen, I'm pretty sure, was the guy that was hurt. Bogosian was on the ice this morning. I'm going to guess he was the coach's decision. Um, as far as the 12 and 6, again, I thought that eventually they were going to have to go back to this just to give the forwards a little bit of time, you know, so they're not so taxed. Right, like these are heavy, hard minutes, um, and maybe that played into why they had so many, uh, why the tired legs, part of the tired legs, on top of, of course, the amount of hockey that they've played. Um, so I don't think it changed the game plan at all, and it probably made Todd Richards' life a little bit easier in trying to call out the defensive pairings uh, for the game. Um, you know, and probably made John Cooper's life a little bit easier too, because you just kind of roll the four lines, and then. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about who's going out with Paquette and Maroon and kind of keep track of that. Uh, Buceta, Mike Buceta did clarify himself. He said, let me clarify a comment on Shattenkirk. He had a goal, but very weak on defense. Yeah, he was. He admitted it, and he knows it. Um, from Volti, uh, also asked about the hit on Kucherov by Ben. I mean, obviously, if he played for Tampa Bay, he'd get three games in a game misconduct as well as 10 hours of community service. Um <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, it's a good chance. Uh, again, as I just said, I just, knowing this league, knowing how they operate, I, I don't, it may not, it's probably not even going to get a hearing, which, you know, you go back to 2011, you know, there was a, there were two situations that warranted something from the NHL in the Eastern Conference Finals where I think it was Milan Lucic sucker punch Victor Hedman at the end of game two. Uh, there was nothing for it, not even a fine, not anything. And the other one was coming off the ice from game six that was here in Tampa, Nathan Horton squirted water at a fan. It's supposed to be an automatic suspension. I mean, it's automatic. It's in the books. It's written in the books. But they didn't have the guts to stand by that rule and suspend Nathan Horton for game seven. And guess who scored the game-winning goal in game seven? It was Nathan Horton. You know, now, I, like, I was surprised... In 2000 and I think it was 2016, no, 2015, first round against Detroit, that Nicholas Cronwall was actually suspended for game seven for a, a hit he delivered on Nikita Kucherov. I was surprised that that happened. So you don't see it very often in critical games. Uh, it's just hard for me to see them suspending Jamie Benn, not that it's not deserved, uh, for a Stanley Cup final. Uh, from Brown Crow, do you think finishing third in the Vezina voting motivated Vasilevsky? I've been a little critical uh, of him. I know his numbers are great, but he's been outplayed by lesser goalies in these playoffs. Thought he was fantastic tonight. Hope we see that from here on out. The opposing goalies have looked better than maybe they are because of the shot volume that they've had to face from Tampa Bay. So, I mean, Corpusalo in the first round. Um, I don't think Yara Halak was all that great in round two. He had his moments. Uh, and then I don't think, I mean, Varlamov, uh, again, was okay. He was, uh, he was pretty good in the conference finals. But I, I don't think you can sit here and say that Vasilevsky's been outplayed uh, by any of those goalies. His numbers in these playoffs are fantastic. And I don't think finishing third is any sort of a motivation for him, right? Like, that's a... 
quote unquote regular season award. Whereas, you know, he's trying to win a Stanley cup. So I, I don't think that that finishing third motivated him all tonight. I, he's been great in these playoffs. I mean, you think of some of the stops he made, the, the shorthanded stop on Brock Nelson in game six against the Islanders. He had Mark, Matt Barzell on a breakaway uh, in, in game five in overtime. I mean, he's come up with some really big save. It's just that he doesn't have to stand on his head. Sometimes the goalies that Tampa Bay face have to stand on their head. Uh, from Ryan, uh, I'm one of the ones usually ripping on Tyler Johnson. He was great tonight. He had some key blocks. Great play. The whole second line came to play. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on John Cooper? He usually gets most of the scrutiny, but I always feel, uh, but I feel his adjustments were key tonight. He gets he gets scrutiny because he hasn't won with this group, right? And and it's not unwarranted. I'm not saying it's unwarranted. Um, you know, and he's he's learned his lessons along the way as well. Um, I think that this this entire year has been John Cooper's best coaching job because of integrating new players and getting the players to buy into a different mentality in, um, you know, guiding them through those early season struggles, which geez were so long ago at this point, but they struggled in the first half of the year to send them down the line uh, to the, the second half of the season that they had. I mean, they had a 10 game winning streak. They had an 11 game winning streak. They won um, 21 out of 24 games at one stretch. Um, and then to, to refocus this team for this pause and get them ready uh, and not let things bother them. You know, I, I go back again to Julian Brisebois phrase and, you know, embrace the suck and dance in the rain, you know, like tonight, they didn't let the fact that that fourth goal got taken off the board for an offside bother them. Just like they didn't let it bother them in game two against the Bruins when they had a tying goal taken off the board for an offside challenge. Right? It's, so it's a different mentality. So, uh, And he's made some pretty good adjustments. I mean, going to the 7-11, and 11, I know he's done it before, but they haven't done it much this year at all. Like, at all. A few times here and there. But to do it in the playoffs, you know, it was... Fueled by, of course, Nikita Kucher or uh, Ryan McDonough being injured. Uh, but to do it, uh, again, I think he's made some some pretty good adjustments in this playoffs. As far as Tyler Johnson, yeah, I mentioned it, um, you know, after game one, how alive that sorelli Kalorn johnson line looked, and Johnson's a part of it. Uh, he was active. Uh, the whole line was, was active for the most part um, throughout this game. And then you look at the, the numbers at the end of the night, um, he had four, Tyler Johnson had four hits. He only had three shot attempts, but they had some really good cycles down low. Uh, he won seven of his 11 faceoffs, so 64% of his faceoffs. You know, Kalorn ends up playing 20 minutes. It's because, you know, the uh, the shorthanded time and the power play time, he gets, you know, he's at 13 minutes of even strength ice time. Uh, and then Sorelli, um, you know, ends up with an assist in, uh, you know, five hits, 17 minutes of ice time. Um, and he won actually eight of 11 faceoff. Interesting that those two guys are on the line, some shorthanded power play, whatnot, uh, but they end up winning 15. They end up going 15 and seven in the faceoff circle for Tampa Bay. So I thought the whole line was good. I thought Tyler Johnson was engaged. I think, again, that I think the whole line uh, has looked good here in the first two games of this series. Uh, also from Mike, uh, Keith Jones thought the Lightning only played well in the first period and didn't deserve to win. Lightning didn't. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, then what did Dallas play? I guess he didn't watch the third period tense game. Yes, but Lightning controlled the third. Absolutely. Uh, also for Mike Vasilevsky was outstanding, especially a couple breakaway saves. He had a stop on Cogliano in particular uh, from Evgeny. Uh, were you surprised that Cooper said Ruta has been healthy for weeks now? No one asked him about him during media availability and boom, he plays in the Stanley Cup finals. Why do you think they put him in there so unexpectedly over Bogosian? How do you assess this game tonight? Uh, we've talked about it a little bit. Yeah, we haven't talked. Look, it's it's difficult in some ways in this setting to ask questions about particular players, especially Ruta, um, because the defense have been playing so well. Uh, you know, we're limited in the time, and sometimes you only get one question. Certain outlets get two, um, but most outlets only get one question. And if you're trying to look for a certain storyline, it's hard to quote unquote waste your question on whether or not Jan Ruta is injured. Uh, I was hoping that they would find a way to um, let us know when that happened. Uh, from ARNDTJC, will we see 91 at some point in the series? Yep, I talked about that. 
a little bit earlier uh, from Stephanie. Was injury the reason Cooper went 12-6? and six? Was he trying to change the lineup and give a spark? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, we mentioned I think Luke Shen was a guy that was injured based on John Cooper's comments after the game. Um, you know, but I think they were just trying to look to kind of shake things up too. And again, trying to give the forwards a little bit of a rest uh, from Kenny. Uh, how much of the second period officiating was to even up the power plays? Dallas took a lot of dumb calls in the first. Then the refs started making soft calls against Tampa in the second. Officiating the score. I hate it. I hate to say it. I hate to hate to mention that, but it's a fact in the NHL. It's a fact in the NHL. Look, we saw it earlier uh, in this playoffs, right? When Columbus was trying fighting for their lives, I think they had a, a huge disparity. The series went 19-10. Columbus had 19 power play opportunities. Columbus had 10, you know, but sometimes, yeah, there's no doubt officials uh, officiate to the score. Uh, from Tony, uh, thoughts on the 12-6 and six and how Ruda and Verhage played. Interesting that Boga was scratched, hoping this is a warm-up for 91's return. Yeah, we did talk about uh, a lot of those um, from Ant Verdi. Uh, I know hockey is physical, but is it normal for announcers to cheer on targeting injured players? It seemed archaic. I hate the idea. I hate the idea with a passion. Um, you know, and then for NBC to advocate, even tonight, okay, Tampa Bay just won game two of the Stanley Cup final. They even up the series. They get two power play goals. They control the third period. What's the first question Brian Boucher asked Andre Pilat? Another game where there's a combined 100 hits. Are you guys okay to handle this physical toll? Like, why is that the main talking? I don't know. I can't imagine that, that that's not being brought up on purpose because every single analyst for NBC brings it up. The physical toll, the physical toll. I mean, the Lightning, and they're talking about how physical Dallas is. Well, the Lightning have actually had more hits. It's been pretty even, but the hits have been, you know, uh, not one-sided, so it's not like Dallas is completely wiping Tampa Bay off physically. Tampa Bay is matching it. Can we stop talking about that? I, I just I don't I don't get it either. I I, I wish I knew the answer. Um, last two here from AJ. What are the chances Benny gets a call from player safety? Talked about that. Why doesn't the NHL do a better job of protecting star players? I don't mean NBA level favoritism, but hits like that shouldn't go uncalled on anyone, let alone the rating MVP. I agree. They keep talking about wanting to get headshots out of the game. And, you know, you see a play like that that goes uncalled. Uh, again, I want to see a replay of it. I have not seen a full replay of it yet. Uh, so I definitely want to see that. Um, but it certainly looked like it from my vantage point watching it live the first time that it was a pretty dangerous hit. I thought it was from blindside pressure as well, uh, which should check off more than a couple of boxes. But I don't think it's going to get anything. I hate to say that, but I really don't think it's going to get anything from player safety. And again, I've talked about this before. I don't know why the NHL doesn't allow or doesn't protect their star players. The star players drive the game. It's not Ryan Reeves. It's not Cal Clutterbuck that drive the game. It's the stars. So I'm not saying you have to go out of your way and, and you know make up rules like in football to protect the stars, you know, the quarterbacks in particular. But but you have to do something to allow them to stay in the game. You can't allow teams to just continually go out of their way and target, sometimes illegally, these top players. I agree with you. I don't, I don't understand it. You know, and here's another thing. Going back to the previous question uh, from Ann Verdi about the physical play. Did you know Barkley Goodrow had 12 hits in game one? But nobody talked about it. Cal Clutterbuck does that. It's a huge topic of conversation. Barclay Goodrow does it. Eh, no big deal. Again, I, I'm, I guess I'm trying to fuel some of the NBC uh, dislike here from a lot of you. But uh, I agree with the age. I don't know why there's not more to protect some of the stars uh, in this league. Um, from Palatitude, what can the Lightning do to score more at 5-on-5 five five in this series? Only two total goals at evens through two games. Uh, look, I'm not getting concerned about that right now. Um, look, they won the game tonight. They they won the special teams battle, and they evened it out at even strength. They they got opportunities. You know, again, we'll look here uh, at the numbers and what they tell us. Um, you know, we talked about the number of shot attempts and all that. At even strength, Lightning had a 20 to 17 advantage in scoring chances and 11 8 advantage in high danger chances. Look, Dallas only scored one even strength goal tonight too. Right? 
They only scored the one. No, they scored two. No, they scored the one. Pavelski's was a power play goal. So, I, you know, I'm not concerned about their lack of five. It kind of comes and goes a little bit. They, there's no doubt they have to get inside the defense just like they did, you know, against the Islanders, just like they did against the Bruins. They have to do more of that. But it's not it's not time to be overly concerned with their five on five goal production because they've been getting five on five scoring chances and this team is pretty good that eventually they're going to start to go in um, you know and let's face it I don't think Anton Hudobin can play out of his mind uh, the this entire series to make that happen all right that's going to wrap it up uh, boy we went long today uh, longest show yet but that's because of your great questions and plus hey it's a Stanley Cup final. Don't forget the trivia question. DM me your answers. Uh, we'll get a winner here in a couple of days, uh, depending on how many entries we get. So make sure you get that question uh, and the answer to me so you can be entered in the con- uh, contest. We'll be back after Wednesday's game to recap game number three, pivotal game number three in the Stanley Cup final. Thanks, everybody, always for listening. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you review, especially the iTunes and the Apple five-star reviews. They mean a lot. Uh, If you could just take a few minutes out of your day uh, to do that when you get the the podcast, uh, I would really appreciate it. So until Wednesday, thanks, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.